Packers. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Hope everyone had a happy and safe holiday and uh, we get ready for the new year. Jeremy White, Bert Deister here as uh, we bring you first-time homebrewing tips for those of you that may have picked up uh, the gifts, the starter kits and all that as uh, as the holidays rolled through. So yep. good, good holiday. Everything good? Everything's good. Merry Festivus. Good Christmas. We're waiting on New Year's. You know, certainly enjoying the nice slow week after being open 10 to 8 for two weeks in a <laughs> row. We kind of, not that we're slow over this week. We're still busy, but it's a lot of our regular customers. Like I always say, people are coming in. This is, they have some time. They have some extra spending money. It's a little bit more exciting for us because we kind of get to, you know, shop vicariously through our customers <laughs> as they pick up new fermenters or, you know, get new beers ready to go. Um, so, yeah, we're in the, the mix of it with our regular customers, and it's kind of getting into the brewing busy season. Um, while there's not a lot of gift going, giving going on and stuff like that, this is the very easy time of year to brew in western New York. Your basements are probably right at 55. You're, you know, if you're lucky, your living room is 62 to 65, your kitchen as well. And so you can find a lot of good temperatures around the house for brewing. You can also chill your beers down really quick because our tap water has dropped down to like almost I think 38 degrees 42 degrees somewhere in there and when the tap water gets that cold that means you can chill the beer faster and it takes about for me about a half an hour especially if I'm doing a 10 gallon batch off of the end of the process so I'm done half an hour quicker you know whenever the tap water gets cold so this is brewing season plus in western New York we're stuck in the house anyways so unless you're ready to go skiing ice fishing um and you're just kind of sitting around feeling like you want to be lazy, making beer is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. So you can sit around, watch a pot boil for an hour, and you get five gallons of beer out of it. So good deal. Good, yeah, good time of year to start brewing, especially you know if you just got a startup kit for the holidays. We're going to talk you through kind of what to do with that kit. And if you got a gift certificate, hang on, because we're going to talk you through how to spend that as well. Uh, open 10 to 4 today, closed mm-hmm. Sunday and Monday uh, of next week. All right, so I got a starter kit. What do I do? There's a couple different answers here. Did I just get the kit or did I get a box kit with all the ingredients also so my first batch of beer is kind of laid out for me? Like I've yeah. got, you know. Either way, I hope that that's what they did for you. So I would you're either so going to get a box kit where you're going to look at the instructions in the box kit and it's going to have the whole recipe in front of you, or you're going to get a can kit, which is kind of sometimes easier for first time home brewers because every all the ingredients are ready to go inside that syrup. So you really just need to hydrate it, boil it to pasteurize it, chill it back down, and start it fermenting. And if you've been listening to the show, we'll often tell you that the really weather a beer is good or bad or has problems often comes from the fermentation through bottling, not from the brewing. So those are really the parts that you want to focus on anyways. So if you got a can kit, don't worry. You're still doing all the hardest parts. Um, The brewing is just kind of a little bit of, you know, a little bit, say, of a little bit of pizzazz at the beginning. And Mm -hmm. really where the beers become individually, but whether they turn out good or bad is really on the brewing. So you still have that ahead of you. Um, First thing to do is if you got a homebrew kit for Christmas is relax. 
this has been a human hobby for about six to 12,000 years, depending on you know what you consider beer or homebrewing. Um, you're not alone in this. There's a lot of kind of support networks out there. You have local clubs. You have a lot of really good chat rooms now. And if you live in this area, you have Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. So you can come down, you can talk to us, you can talk to us on the phone, and we'll really work you through every step of the process. Um, but this is an easy hobby. It's it's frugal. It's easy to do. If you can make macaroni and cheese and you can wait for two weeks and stare at a bucket, you can make your own beer. And it can be really good beer right from the first time out. Now, I used to encourage people to not go to YouTube, not go to the internet, and to sit down with the book, with the instructions, act like a horse with blinders, and go through start to finish on the kit. And I've actually changed my answer on that one. The amount of good information on YouTube and you know other internet sites is starting to drastically outweigh the bad information. And I think hmm. why a lot of people didn't point you, especially if they had a friend homebrewing, they didn't point you to YouTube is because there was a lot of bad videos out there. And it almost seemed like the ones that had the best production value usually had the worst information. Um, kind of looking at you, Alton Brown. Um, <laughs> so they, they did. They did. They would make wonderful videos that really laid out the steps well. Uh, and then they would make some critical mistakes, like throwing ice into the chilling beer, boiling the grains. However, I think that kind of those mistakes are hammered enough in every beginning guide and every beginning startup kit. And enough people have started homebrewing that when you see these videos out there, they've gotten much better. Uh, even if they're not through, say, a normal homebrewing channel. But if you go to a homebrewing channel, if you go to a homebrew shop's website, if you go to, you know, the AHA's website or brew your own, uh, they're going to have wonderful videos, wonderful tutorials start to finish on what you should expect to do as a beginner. And this will help get your feet wet. Obviously, if you got a friend that homebrews going and homebrewing with them and watching them is going to be so much better. If that's not really convenient and you're really itching to try this, say, tonight, 20 minutes, an hour on the Internet, watching a couple videos, watch more than one, just in case you see something that doesn't agree on both videos so you have a chance to check it out and kind of you know, see if that information you got was correct, go to the Internet. Take a look at a couple of different websites. Take a look at a couple of different videos and get an idea generally of uh, what you'll be doing. So, again, I've changed my answer on that. I used to say just go to the instructions, horse with blinders, unless you've got somebody to brew with. But, like I said, the good information is starting to drastically outweigh the bad information out there. So go ahead and watch some videos. I'd imagine it's survival of the fittest over time, right? Like the, the good videos continue to get linked and watched and used. You got it, especially if people are linking them from, like, you know, again, one of the big homebrew forums. Um, yeah, the, 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 the most popular videos tend to be a lot better now than they were, say, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. The next thing you can do is you can start saving capped bottles, not twist-offs, regular capped bottles. As far as anything besides that, basically every brand has a crown on it. If you drink a lot of a particular beer, you might want to take one of those bottles Wash it ahead of time. Make sure the labels come off really easy. Make sure the caps go on really easy. Make sure the bottle's nice and heavy. Um, you don't want to find this all out on bottling day when you realize you don't have enough bottles because the labels are coming off. You start to cap, and it doesn't have the proper crown. It just looks like it does, and they start cracking. Now, one, any bottles that you've picked up from Niagara Tradition are going to be the right bottles, and they're a little bit heavier-duty glass. And I would say that's probably safe to say that's true for any local homebrew shop. 
Um, but if you're trying to make life a little bit easier on yourself and you're watching this beer ferment, start saving your bottles now. And if you can check to make sure which brands have that you know, water-based glue label that will save you hours later on trying to scrape labels off. So you can start saving bottles now. So first step in home brewing to kind of get ahead, start drinking some beer. That's an easy one, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, next one I can do uh, that nobody ever does um, but will really save you a lot of time is fill the fermenter with water, put the thermometer on the side of it, and start moving it around the house to find where you have good temperatures for different fermentations. So you might assume that your basement is staying around 62 to 65 degrees because it's technically in the house's heated system and, you know, but you're not really down there that much, or especially when you're, you know, in the middle of the night or the middle of the work day. And that's going to be part of the house that's going to chill down the fastest. So often what happens is people start the beer, they put it into the basement. It's 70 degrees when they put it down there. Um, and then they find out, you know, anywhere from 12, 24, hopefully not four or five days later, that the beer's really 54 degrees and it's not fermenting at all. So if you want to kind of save yourself from that problem, fill the fermenter with some water, put the thermometer on the side, and place it a couple of places in the house where you think you might want to store the fermenter. And that five gallons of water will kind of act as a large thermal, you know, kind of tank, and it will give you a good average over the course of 24 hours of what that spot's being and and what your fermentation temperature is going to be. That way, when you put a beer in that bucket, there's no surprises as far as that space is way hotter than I thought it was or way colder. The beer is exploding, again, if it's too warm. Or if it's too cold, it's not fermenting at all. Not that either of those will completely ruin the beer, but they'll make a mess. They'll create some off flavors, and they'll delay the fermentation of the beer. So temperature is key with fermentation. Find the spot in the house where the temperature is going to be best. Next is clean and sanitize all the equipment that touches the beer. Don't worry about anything else in your house house or anything that's in there pre-boil. So don't worry about ultra sanitizing the pot or cleaning off your, uh, you know, like stove. I mean, it will probably make brewing more popular in the house if you just clean the stoves because you probably should do it after, not before. But you don't need to clean all that stuff. What you do need to worry about is measuring out the right amount of sanitizer, giving the right contact times and the right temperatures for your sanitizers on the surfaces where it matters. This is the fermentation bucket, the airlock, the lid on day one. You know, when you go to rack it, the bottling bucket, spigot, uh, which you should be sanitizing separately and then putting together and sanitizing together, but also the racking to the bottle filler, the hose. Um, You can trust your tap water as sanitary for rinsing everything out, but I think this is stressed enough, but I still want to stress it now, clean and sanitize your equipment. Um, If you don't sanitize, it's a very simple problem. Your beer will get infected. You don't know when. Uh, It might not be in the first couple of weeks. You might drink the whole batch before it gets infected, but if you save those bottles for months later and you don't do a good job sanitizing they're either going to blow up in your basement or you'll go back to them months later they'll be sour and you'll be significantly disappointed so again you could go through brewing as long as you're drinking your beer every like say two weeks you're turning it around you could not sanitize and you would never know the difference but as soon as you start putting away your beer for long term that's when the problems are going to occur so clean and sanitize any equipment that touches the beer post-boil, anything during fermentation, any if you're just taking a sample with a pipette, sanitize that pipette. I do want to say, since we're talking to first-time home brewers, that while 
infection, as you just mentioned, and, you know, explosions in your basement. With, with it's the problem that everybody worries about, but they usually don't have. Right, right. It's something to know why it happens, how it happens. But if you're, you know, you, you unwrapped a, a brewing kit, a starter's kit, and you're thinking, uh-oh, I don't want to poison people. Like, you can't. You don't worry about it. Yeah, right. The presence it's, it's, of alcohol and, and acids, you're not going to get, like, E. coli or botulism or anything like that. So you can't make yourself physically ill. However, if you have a like a beer filled with like lactobacillus and pediococcus, you can make yourself mentally ill. You can make yourself, you know, physically feel sick because it will taste really, really gross. But again, like you said, it's it's the the thing that people worry about the most, but it's usually not your biggest problem. Again, if we had to point towards the biggest problem, it would always be the temperature. Finding the right temperature, getting through the primary fermentation in a reasonable amount of time while keeping the yeast fully active. That's usually the hardest part, finding that right temperature. Um, next thing is use your cold tap water. Our water's really good. We talked about this a little bit in the last program. Um, while our tap water doesn't have, say, the perfect mineral content for beer, there is no perfect mineral content for all beers. But what our water does have is consistent content and low chlorine. So it's a good kind of you know base for building your own water profile. So nothing... Besides a couple bohemian lagers, have I ever had to reduce any of the minerals like coming in from my tap water? For a couple of those bohemian lagers, I'm trying to reduce some of the carbonates and some of the gypsum, but it's minute amounts and I usually don't bother. Our cold tap water is really good for brewing. The problem that you might run into with bottled water is it could be RO filtered, has no minerals, could be distilled, has no minerals, has no oxygen. And those will cause problems for the yeast later on. Not only will they not be able to form really healthy um, cell membranes, um, but they will also have problems flocculating because of those, some of those same membrane problems later on. Um, so check your water. Generally, a good rule of thumb, especially if you're outside the area, is taste your water. If you don't taste any off flavors with your water, drinking it room temperature from the tap, you're not going to taste any problems with it. You shouldn't have any like kind of pH problems with the beer down the road. Let's get a break in, and then we'll get into the part where you heat that water and boil it and put stuff into it. Yeah, so we've, we've raced it a whole show. We haven't even got you to turn the burner <laughs> on yet. <laughs> Don't be overwhelmed, though. It's all right. It's Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister, for the first time, homebrewers. Congrats on your new gift. Uh, we'll get to how to do it and what to keep in mind next. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. All right, so you got a starter kit. You're about to be a home brewer. You got it for... Uh, yep. Christmas, Hanukkah, holidays, whatever. Congratulations. Welcome to the world. Yep, you've put around your bucket of water. You have all your beer bottles saved up in the basement. You know the you know the labels are coming off. You're ready to go. 
now it's time to start putting malts into the pot. And the first one I want to tell you is heat up the water. It'll make the malts dissolve a little bit easier, but then take the pot off the burner to add the extracts. That way they don't scorch onto the bottom. And take your time slowly mixing them in. Let it sit for a minute. Come back and mix it a little bit more. This will cause a burnt flavor to the beer or at least excess caramelization. So you'll end up with a really toffee, caramely dark beer and not necessarily what you were looking for. The next thing is as soon as you put that heat back on, don't walk away. Watch for a boil over. I don't know if Jeremy, have you ever had a boil over? I have. I, I, right I admit, after adding I the hops. still do every couple every year. Um, and usually what happens is that when you bring this up to a boil, you got tons of sugar, but you also have protein, which gives the liquid tons of cohesion. And when you add the hops, you add bubble nucleation sites. So basically, when you first hit a boil, the beer wants to foam like crazy. But don't worry, it will get better. As it sits there and immediately starts to boil, you start to coagulate protein. So you'll notice these little bits of almost looks like tofu or, you know, like miso soup floating around in the beer. That's the protein, kind of like you would from soy, you know, that you're getting from the barley. Um, And as soon as those begin to separate, the beer will maintain a steady rolling boil without boiling over. But stick around for that first couple minutes. Watch what is happening. Every time you add something, stick around for a minute later. If it starts to boil over, you can just simply toss some cold water. That will break the latent heat evaporation and will prevent all this stuff from coming out. Or just move it off the heat and stir gently very quick. Um, as far as if you have the boil over, there's no cleaner that makes it any easier. It's just hot water in time. You're trying to remove sugar and a little bit of protein. There's no cleaner that really makes it easier. Maybe Be Bright does a little bit, but otherwise it's hot water, some time. You'll be able to get it all off there. It won't ruin any surfaces, but it's a mess that you can easily avoid. So watch out for that boil over. Once you have a steady rolling boil and you've been able to put in your bittering hops and again get back to a steady rolling boil, now is the time to start a timer or at least write down what time you got to this point. Um, this is another. So, if, okay, one of my big mistakes is I don't watch the boil over. The next mistake I make is I say, oh, I'll remember I added this right at 2 o'clock. You get a half an hour, you get 40 minutes in, and you're really sitting there then questioning what time you started your boil. So if I could say anything, get the instructions out right where it says in the instructions to add the bittering hops, write the time that you added the bittering hops. That way you can go back and count back and you'll know exactly how long they've been in there. Once you get down to the end of the boil, again, going back to the Alton Brown thing, don't put ice into the beer. Take the beer off the burner, let it sit for a minute, and then put it into the sink with a little bit of cold water around it. Temperature and aeration in brewing is key. Um, You want to get air into there eventually, but you also want to get the temperature down to the right temperature for the yeast. Even going 10 degrees too high is a little bit too much, and it's going to create some kind of funny flavors in the yeast. They may be ones you like of banana and cherries, but they also may be ones you don't like, again, of like electrical fire or like, you know, burnt almonds. Um, So watch those temperatures. The two can go hand in hand. While you're waiting for this to chill down to 70 degrees, you can aerate. And you can also use the aeration as a way to speed up the cooling down. Take the fermenting bucket, take your brew pot outside. It's like what, on 25 degrees out most nights, and pour the beer back and forth between the bucket and the brew pot. 
This is not only going to aerate it, get lots of you know, oxygen in there, which the yeast really like over the first 8 to 12 hours, but it's also going to help cool it down because when you pour it, you're giving the liquid vast surface area and you're exposing it to a very, you know, cold air. Uh, so that should help pull some heat away from it. Usually if I'm getting close, if I'm under 100 in the sink, I mix it with the cold water. Uh, I'm usually down colder than I want to by the time I'm done aerating. So if you can take it outside, you can pour it back and forth. That's really going to spell up the aeration and, and really help you get down to the right temperature. So that's a little tip and trick. It's not so easy on the back. You know, do it someplace where you can spill a little bit, but that will really help the beer off to a good start. Uh, next thing is keep checking on the fermentation for the first at least couple of days. I know this is often a mistake that we see new brewers as well as experienced brewers make, um, and that is they get everything locked in, they get the yeast in, they get the lid on, they put it down in the basement, and then they go back in two weeks, even if there's nothing wrong because they didn't check on it, they didn't see it start fermentation, they didn't see it hit high croissant, and then come down from there, they're not even sure if it's fermented. So check on it over the first couple of days. If you're not seeing any airlock action, that's okay. The bucket just might not be sealing. Open it up and see if you see a little foam on there. And then once you see all that foam and that, you know, fermentation die back, take a hydrometer reading right away to make sure that you've reached your proper finishing gravity because it'll be easy to deal with that now. It'll be harder to deal with it in two weeks when you're going to bottle. And to be quite honest, you won't get to bottle that day. You're going to end up kind of dealing with this high gravity for another week to two weeks before you can bottle. So check on the fermentation after a couple of days couple other things take good notes um not just on brew day but when you go back through fermentation what the temperatures you're hitting um but then also how the beer tastes um these will really help you um kind of fix problems because a lot of times you brew a beer you have a recipe and you said well did that turn out well did, did, I, did i like that i think i like that you know Take good notes, not just on what you did, but then how the results are. Um, if nothing else, uh, me and Rudy uh, from Sin Man both happen to have our brewing notebooks, original brewing notebooks, so we're going back almost 20 years, in the store wow. the other day, and they were a great chuckle. Um, the things that we were worried about then, the things that we were noting, um, I think both of us have taken like BJCP exams now, so it's really different how we judge our beers yeah. now than how you did it, say, 22, 24. So if nothing else, your experience, inexperience and your kind of you know panic note-taking from your initial brews will provide some entertainment years later. But, again, having good notes always helps you diagnose problems uh, and improve your recipes slowly but surely, especially if you're taking those notes after you start drinking it. And last of all, don't start your siphon by sucking on the hose. People do that? People still do that. People Why? still do that. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, your mouth is a wonderful place for bacteria. Um, it, you know, our, our, really, our whole digestive system is kind of a wonderful biome for the bacteria and funguses and other microbes that break <laughs> down our food. And they will also break down your beer inside your fermenter just like they will the beer inside your stomach or your mouth. Um, and there's you know a couple of flavors that really stick out to somebody, um, and if you give your beer and you've you've sucked on the siphon to somebody who picks up a little bit of that bacterial twang, 
we're going to know where it came from. Yeah. So don't start to siphon by sucking on your mouth. So you just fill it up with cold water. Use, again, trust your tap water is sanitary. You can use it for rinsing, but you can also use it for starting siphons, you know, and let the water pull the beer over to start the siphon. So that's an easy way, you know what I mean, to get it started. Right. Don't start it. Don't suck on the siphon. About three minutes left. All right. So that's the home brewing, the first timers guide. Gift certificate strategy. If you got a gift certificate, what do I want to spend it on? Let me get a game plan before I come in. Yeah, yeah. Work chiller is number one. If you don't have one, if you're a relatively new home brewer and you don't have a work chiller, I'd say that's number one. Yeah, and, and this gets back to my theory that um, no one gadget necessarily is going to make your beer any better. Your beer gets better from better practice, you know, better, you know, brewing, uh, using good and fresh ingredients. Um but, however, the gadgets can save you a lot of time and aggravation. And I always look at the wart chiller, a kegging system, or bottle cleaning accessories. One cool bottle cleaning accessory we have, which I'm a little mad about because I've basically been trying to make this out of uh, 3-inch steel in my basement for about a year now, is a 12-bottle automated washer. Wow. Yeah, so you, it's a little rack. You hook it up to your pump. And it, it, what it's going to do is it's going to pump cleaner solution, cycle it through 12 bottles at a time. Think um, the racks are $30. The base is $30. You can get multiple racks so you don't even have to take the bottles out of the rack. Those kind of time-saving gadgets are going to make you brew more. And as you brew more, you're going to get more practice, um, and your beers are going to get better because of that. Um, that said, there is one time that I made a purchase and my beers got better, and that was buying a thermostat. Um, I was always trying to talk about temperature being key. Um, I was not often moving my fermenter around the house. I was trying to keep it in the basement where I wanted it and either putting a cooler with warm water bottles or a heat source around it, trying to you know play around with how much air was getting to it or how, how often I was putting in the warm bottles to try to control my temperature. Once I got a thermostat, Johnson Controls A419, I just took my cheap old brew belt, plugged it into there, and I could hit whatever temperature I wanted within a half a degree. And that did make my beers better. It took away a lot of aggravation in the first three days of, again, heating up or freezing water bottles to get the right temperature. Having a good thermostat can make your beers a little bit better. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. For this episode of Niagara Traditions Just Brew It and for the 2017 editions. Yeah. On to 2018. What are we going to do? Talk beer? Drink beer? I think we'll talk more about brew, beer. Brew more beer? Yeah, that'll be the plan. Uh, all right. So that's it for us. Everyone have a healthy, happy, safe holiday season. Um, happy New Year. Yep, we'll be enjoying the first long weekend. By long weekend, I mean two days throughout the holiday season. Yeah. Um, but we'll be right back with our regular hours after New Year's Day All right. right through the f- brewing season. So See you in 2018. Thanks for joining us throughout 2017 here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.